Hello, and welcome to Mrs. Calhoun's Process of Care. Join me as we go week by week through the dental hygiene process of care. Come join the fun. All right, for this lesson, we will be continuing um, the implementation phase, discussing prevention, and we are going to talk about dentifrices, which are toothpastes, and mouth rinses, and, and um, you know, how they are beneficial um, for us, right? So um, the first thing we should really talk about is chemotherapeutics. And recent advances in understanding the pathogenesis of periodontitis have led to alternative therapies that focus on reduction of inflammation in the oral cavity using both mechanical devices and chemotherapeutics. Inflammation of periodontal tissue has an impact on the human body beyond the oral cavity. We know that, right? Um, particularly in patients who are immunocompromised. Oral inflammation has been linked to several conditions, including diabetes and heart disease. Increased inflammation associated with diabetes can make a patient more susceptible to periodontal disease. Oral pathogens can travel to the lungs, causing um, health care-associated pneumonia. And uh, either the clinician or the patient can administer chemotherapeutics, right? So this could be um, um, a, certain th a certain ingredient in toothpaste or a certain ingredient in a mouth rinse or something that we place underneath the gums. These are, you know, chem chemotherapeutics. So we are going to discuss um, dentifrices, uh, the preventative and therapeutic benefits of, of dentifrice, um, the cosmetic effects of dentifrice, the basic components of dentifrice, the inactives, and then the active components of dentifrice, as well as selection of dentifrices. Then we'll talk about mouth rinses, the purpose and the uses of mouth rinse, the preventative and therapeutic agents of mouth rinses, um, as well as commercial uh, mouth rinse ingredients, um, and then procedures for rinsing. There are all, we could also discuss some of the emerging alternative practices, um, as well as uh, what the um, United States Food and Drug Administration says about um, these therapeutic agents, and then the American Academy of Dental, um, the American Dental Association, excuse me, Seal of Acceptance Program. We'll talk a little bit about that. All right, so as we go and get started, let's go ahead and talk about dentifrices, right? The benefits of using a dentifrice may be preventative, therapeutic, or cosmetic. A dentifrice is a substance applied to a toothbrush or other applicator for the removal of biofilm, stain, and other soft deposits from the gingiva and tooth surfaces, application of a therapeutic agent, or superficial cosmetic effects. The mechanism of actually removing the biofilm and stuff comes from the toothbrush itself. However, the dentifrices can aid in the removal of those other things. Um, when 
children are little, sometimes they don't like toothpaste at all. They don't like the flavor of it, even if it's bubblegum. They don't like the flavor of anything. So even just wa- brushing your teeth with a wet toothbrush will be, you know, can be beneficial. Um, dry brushing is extremely beneficial as well. So, um, you know, there are alternatives to using dentifrice. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about the preventative, uh, the preventive, and therapeutic benefits of dentifrice. Okay, so let's t- we're going to talk about the prevention of dental caries, the remineralization of early non-cavitated dental caries, the reduction in biofilm formation, the reduction in gingivitis and inflammation, the reduction of dentin hypersensitivity, and the reduction in supragingival calculus formation. So. Prevention of dental caries. Although fluoride has been long recognized as the anti-cari- as an anti-cariogenic agent, the addition of stannous fluoride to dentifrice was problematic because of the lack of comparability with abrasive agents. The first caries preventive dentifrice contained stannous fluoride, and that was 0.4%. It became available commercially in 1955. Um... Xylitol, a flavoring agent in some dentifrices, has been shown to provide anti-caries benefits as well. Um, in Chapter 34, you can learn more about fluoride in the dentifrice, but um, stannous fluoride in dentifrice in 1955 um, caused a little bit more of a staining agent. Um, so that's what it was saying. The... the um, it couldn't. You needed the abrasiveness to not keep the stain, so it was it was it it cut to be a little bit. So they had to come up with a different type of fluoride to put in there. Now they have the stabilized stannous fluoride, which doesn't cause the staining like just stannous fluoride does. Remineralization of early cavitated lesion. Fluoride enhances remineralization. We discussed that last week. You know it. Um, Fluoride gets into the crevices in between the enamel rods. It lives in your saliva. Um, it has, if you take it systemically, it's in your saliva. You can um, use it in your toothpaste. Um, and what it does is it helps to remineralize our teeth because everything we eat puts us in a demineral can put us in a demineralized state. The sooner we get up to a seven pH, the better off we'll be with our. Um, uh, staying in a neutral zone rather than in an acidic zone, right? So fluoride, what it does is it helps to enhance and promote remineralization. So that's really good. Um, uh, dentifrice um, and the ther- therapeutic benefits of it, um, they show a reduction in biofilm formation. Agents such as triclosan, zinc citrate, and stannous fluoride help to um, break down um, the biofilm formation. There's also a reduction in, you know, dentifrices try to reduce the uh, gingivitis or inflammation. The anti-gingivitis dentifrices can contribute to improved health and gingival tissue. Triclosan is the primary agent that has been shown um, to be uh, effective in reducing gingival inflammation. Um, Triclosan combined with a copolymer or a polyvinyl methyl methyloxylene um, and malic acid, it's a PVMMA, increases the substantivity after eating and drinking. So that's why um, 
triclosan is a uh, um, it, it breaks down, you know, the it reduces the inflammation. But if um, Colgate was one of the toothpastes that had triclosan in it, and one of the things with that they marketed was that it was 12 hour clean. Well, it was because it even, you know, it, it had a longer life substantivity. It held on longer in your mouth um, and kept, tried to keep that, you know, um, the uh, inflammation from happening, um, you know, longer than a regular toothpaste. Um, using a dentifrice containing triclosan has demonstrated significantly reduced levels of agrobacter, uh, Tenomycetes, um, and the P. gingivalis, which during um, induction um, of gingivitis. Research is inconsistent with regard to reduction in gingival inflammation and gingival bleeding, and systemic reviews suggest that there is a clinically no significant difference. There is a weak evidence of the reduction of 15% in super gingival biofilm formation. Another um, therapeutic and preventive benefit of Denifrice is that it can reduce dentinal hypersensitivity. For in-home treatment of dental hy dentin hypersensitivity, um, chemical occlusion, which is potassium citrate and sodium fluoride, of the dentinal tubules and the nerve desensitization are most effective. So what happens is if the dentinal tubule is open, the potassium nitrate blocks anything from getting into the nerve of that tooth. So if it's open, water and, and air can get in there and cause sensitivity. But what the potassium nitrate does is it kind of fills in and blocks. Now, it doesn't happen overnight. It usually takes about two weeks for the potassium nitrate to, to get its job done, right? Um, in-home treatment is the first intervention for dentin hypersensitivity, but if in-home treatment is not effective, then we'll go with an in-office um, uh, desensitizing agent. All right, and the final preventive and therapeutic benefit of Denifrice is that it can reduce supragingival calculus formation. Supra gingival, not sub supra. Tartar controlled um, dentifrices show, are shown to help inhibit super gingival calculus. They may contain uh, pyrophosphate salts, uh, zinc salts, zinc chloride or zinc citrate, sodium hexametaphosphate, um, sodium hexametaphosphate, and then triclosan with a copolymer. So those are the benefits, the preventative, um, I mean the preventive and therapeutic benefits of Denifrice. Um, they prevent, some Denifrices can prevent dental caries because they have high fluoride or they have fluoride in them. Um, they can promote remineralization with the fluoride. Some reduce biofilm formation. Um, some reduce gingivitis and inflammation. Some reduce dental hypersensitivity. And some are good for the reduction of calculus formation. The cosmetic effects of dentifrice. Let's talk about that. So, um, two of the main cosmetic effects of dentifrices are the removal of extrinsic stain and the reduction of malodor, oral malodor or halitosis. So the removal of extrinsic stain, pigments from food, tobacco use, and chemical agents, as we learned in the other chapter that we looked at earlier, um, I believe it was chapter 17, um, 
those agents may become embedded in the acquired pellicle or during dental or the dental biofilm. Excuse me. Cosmetic results from dentifrices are based on mechanical removal of the stained biofilm and delivery of a bleaching agent. Okay, Each commercially available product needs to be evaluated individually for efficacy and patient acceptance. So we're talking about our whitening toothpaste. Usually they have a little bit of a coarser grit, so they... Um, you know, they go ahead and, and kind of polish a little bit or clean a little bit differently than like your basic paste. Um, I always think that pastes work better than, you know, at stain removal than gels. That's maybe it could be just my mind, but that's the way um, it works. Um, but you need to, it's the, it's the mechanical removal of the stain with the delivery of a bleaching agent. So you can't just do it without a, you know, toothbrush if that's how you're going to do it, or you're going to use whitening strips or gel or whatever. And then the second type of cosmetic effect is to reduce halitosis. Certain ingredients that are added to um, dentifrices can reduce malodor on a temporary basis by inhibiting the production of volatile sulfur compounds or VSCs. Chlorhexidine and CPC and zinc formulations have a beneficial effect to reducing oral malodor via the reduction of volatile sulfur compounds. Triclosan um, copolymer can control the bacteria associated with uh, volatile sulfur compounds, thereby reducing malodor. And then stannous fluoride contain, uh, combined with sodium hexametaphosphate can reduce um, VSCs. Now we're going to look at the basic components of uh, the inactive components of a dentifrice, right? So most dentifrice share a common composition of ingredients needed for a stable formulation. Dentifrice are sold primarily as pasture gels. The common ingredients and their functions are listed um, on, on the table on page um, 473. They have a surfactant or a detergent which is the foaming agent, and that's about 1% to 2% of the formula. There's an abrasive agent, which is the cleaning and the polishing. That, that can, takes up about 20% of the formulation. There's a binder, which is a thickening agent and stabilizing formula, and that's about 1% to 2% of the formula. There's a humectant, which prevents water loss or hardening, and that's about 20 to 40%. Preventative agent, or pre, I mean preservative agent, excuse me, prevents microorganisms from destroying the dentifrice in storage. That's about 2 to 3%. There's a flavoring agent, which is a, sometimes a sweetener, usually like um, a um, sugar alcohol, and that uh, is about 1% to 1.5%. And then water, which, is, which maintains the ingredients in formulation, and that is about 20 to 40%. In addition to the inactive ingredients, a therapeutic dentifrice will have a drug or chemical agent stated in the active ingredients for the specific preventive or therapeutic action. So for most toothpaste, it's sodium fluoride, and I want to say the number is like 0.25%. Um, you know, for your potassium nitrate, for your, um, de your dentinal hypersensitivity, you want it to be 5% potassium nitrate, okay? So those are the type things. The active ingredient represents approximately 1.5 to 2% of the dentifrice's formulation. So um, 
when we're looking at the detergents, which are the foaming agents, it is to um, lower surface tension, penetrate and loosen surface deposits, suspend debris for easy removal with a toothbrush, emulsify um, or, or disperse the flavor oils, and to contribute to the foaming action. Substances that are used are sodium lauryl sulfate, which is USP, or sodium N L'Oreal um, sacrosanate. So this is a big thing right now. A lot of people want a toothpaste without sodium lauryl sulfate. Um, sometimes that detergent agent can um, cause sloughing of the tissue and so um, or burning of the tissue. So if there's ever an issue in someone's mouth, one of the very first things I do is ask them to stop using something with sodium lauryl sulfate. Now, one of the only, I think, that does not have it is uh, Sensodyne. That's a really big one. Um, all right, so the second part of the um, component, the second component is, like I said, the cleaning agent, the abrasives. This cleans well with no damage to the tooth, tooth surface. The poly polishing agent is used to produce a smooth tooth surface. The smooth surface can prevent or delay reaccumulation of stains or deposits. Primary abrasives that are used are silica, silicates, or hydrosilica gels, calcium carbonate, dicalcium phosphate, and sodium bicarbonate. These are these are words that I have heard over and over again, so I'm I'm not gonna butcher them. Okay. Um, the thickeners that we would use, these are the bonding agents, the things that help to um, stabilize the formation and prevent separation of solids and liquids while it's in storage. Um, types that are used are mineral colloids, uh, natural gums, seaweed colloids, or synthetic celluloses. Eumectants are the moisture control. Um, like I said, they retain moisture. They prevent the hardening on exposure to air. Um, substances, substances that are used for moisture stabilizers are xylitol, um, glycerol, or sorbitol. All um, Sorbitol is a sugar alcohol. So is xylitol. But really quick, the difference between um, xylitol and other sugars is that xylitol is a five-carbon sugar instead of a six-carbon sugar. So the the um, bacteria in our mouth, unlike you know how the bacteria reach for those fermentable carbohydrates and they get they go to make that acid production, that that doesn't happen here. Um, the xylitol is a five-carbon sugar, so our bacteria doesn't really know what to do with it. So it's able to do, to have its therapeutic benefits. It helps with saliva flow. It helps with remineralization. Um, it uh, has even been known to help reduce otitis medius in babies, which are ear infections. It's a really cool thing. Um, uh, preservatives that are in uh, dentifrice are, the, the purpose is to prevent bacterial growth, um, to prolong shelf life. Uh, substances that are used are alcohol, uh, benzenates, and uh, dichlorinated phenols. 
And then last but not least is our flavoring agents. And these are the sweeteners. So in part, it's more of a pleasant fact, uh, flavor for the patient acceptance. And it's to mask the other ingredients that may have a less pleasant flavor. Okay, so they use things like essential oils like peppermint, cinnamon, wintergreen, or clove. And then artificial non-carogenic sweeteners such as xylitol, uh, glycerol, um, and uh, sorbitol. So they're all sugar alcohols and they're all non-carogenic. I just really lean towards the xylitol more than the sorbitol. So um, so those are your um, inactive ingredients that are in the toothpaste. Um, I will um, come back in a moment and we'll talk about the active components. All right, so active components of dentifrice. Um, there is a wide variety of um act of of tooth of dentifrices, right? And um and a wide variety of active ingredients. Um, some are formulated for um, you know, prevention of caries. Some are for dentin hypersensitivity. Some are for biofilm formation, gingivitis, calculus formation, and malodor. The first ever active ingredient that was put introduced into toothpaste it was fluoride. Okay, and since then there has been major developments in this area. These active ingredients provide benefits in the areas of anti-caries, anti-biofilm, and anti-gingivitis, anti-calculus, anti-malodor, anti-sensitivity, and um. The, the therapeutic ingredients that are used in them are on table 2188 on, uh, in, on page 473. So for your biofilm and your gingivitis, there's triclosan, stannous fluoride, and zinc citrate. And then for your anti-calculus, there's tetrapotassium pyrophosphate, there's tetrasodium pyrophosphate, there's sodium hexametaphosphate, there's triclosan and the copolymer, and zinc compounds. When you use a desensitizer, there's um, potassium nitrate, potassium citrate, potassium chloride, stannous fluoride, or um, strontium chloride. And then for malodor, there's essential oils, chlorine dioxide, um, triclosan, stannous fluoride, and sodium hexametaphosphate. All right, so those are, you know, some of the ingredients that we may use that are active, and they'll be in that very top active ingredient, and then they'll have a list of ingredients, right? When you're selecting dentifrices, there's there's different things you want to consider, right? Prevention or reduction of oral disease is one of the first considerations, and then considerations for dental uh, for pediatric patients, and then there's patient patient specific recommendations, right? So to prevent or reduce oral disease, such as dental caries, fluoride containing dentifrices using remineralization program, dentin hypersensitivity, gingivitis, calculus formation, and malodor or reduction of VSCs. When you're looking for pediatric patients, you from birth to eruption of the first tooth, you want the patients to clean the child's gingiva with a soft infant toothbrush or a cloth with water. I always say that the babies, the baby washcloths are really, really soft. And while you're giving them a bath, it's always kind of a good thing to, before you give them a bath and put soap on it, take that wash rag, wet it, and then wipe the inside of the gums. Not only are you cleaning their mouth, but you're also um, promoting, like, this is going to get done. Like, that way your child knows that you're getting in there and you're going to clean their mouth regardless of what they think, right? Um, after the eruption of the first tooth, the 
the parents can begin to start using uh, a brush twice a day or or a washcloth to brush those little teeth off every single day. Um, and then you want to use a smear layer or a grain of rice size, so a very tiny amount of toothpaste um, to put on the brush when they're less than three. Okay, once they're... Um, once they're two, um, you can go ahead and start putting a pea size um, amount. Uh, you know, if the child can kind of um, kind of spit a little bit, but you just don't want to put a lot. You want en enough to get on the teeth, but you don't want enough for them to swallow. So um, they need to recognize that young children do not have the ability to brush their own teeth effectively without their help, and parents can be role models for their kids by brushing their teeth um, at the same time as their child. And then patient-specific recommendations, and these would be um, recommendations that are a key part of personal oral care and you know, daily care. So patient's current oral health status, uh, patient complications, sensitivities, allergies to ingredients. Remember, I was saying in one class that alpha-gal is something that is big and on the rise. It is when you are allergic to um, mammal, um, to, to, you know, meat, like, uh, like, like cow and um, it four-legged, four-legged. So I, I think it's it's cow, all milk products, cheese products, but glycerin is actually a byproduct of a cow, and so um, some toothpaste have glycerin in it and will cause severe, you know, an allergy, uh, an allergic reaction. So you need to be. Sometimes they are allergic to glycerin, sometimes they're not. But that's something you need to look out for. Um, patients' non-therapeutic or cosmetic choices. Um, expectation of compliance. When a dentifrice does not appeal to their taste or texture, it will not be used, no matter. how what the therapeutic benefit is. Personal trial is needed before a recommendation is made. Dental hygienists need to firsthand experience with each product they recommend. I think I've told you this before. I love to go down the toothbrush aisle and taste all kinds of toothpaste because I think it's good for us to know. Like I'm not a big fan of that or, you know, whatever. All right. Uh, moving on to mouth rinses. I will come back with that. Okay. Mouth rinses. Now, this is a mechanical aid that um, may not be sufficient to maintain optimum oral health for certain patients and may be a supplement with the use of a chemotherapeutic aid, uh, mouth rinse, right? The benefits of using a mouth rinse may be one or more of the following preventative, cosmetic, or therapeutic, same as toothpaste. The chemotherapeutic rinses may have active ingredients to reduce inflammation. Cosmetic rinses can provide some extrinsic stain removal when um, it is a superficial and it's unattached to the biofilm. Therapeutic rinses have healing properties that are delivered by rinsing or irrigating devices. The delivery rinsing can deliver an agent less than two millimeters into the sulcus or the pocket and is not a delivery of choice for patients with moderate to deep pockets. I'm going to repeat that. Just because they're using a mouth rinse, if they have periodontal disease with more than a two millimeter pocket, okay, you're not getting to the base of that pocket. So what they should be using is maybe a irrigation system, not just swishing and spitting because because a rinse, when you swish with it, it only the agent only gets less than two millimeters into the sulcus, okay? 
Um, the function, um, therapeutic agents um, have several different functions. One is remineralization. The other is antimicrobial, so it could be bactericidal or bacteriostatic, biofilm control, gingerville health. There could be an astringent in it, which is, um, sh uh, it shrinks the tissues. Um, and anodyne is alle alleviates pain. Buffering reduces oral acidity. Um, deodorizing neutralizes odor and oxygenating cleanses, right? So the purpose and the uses of mouth rinses. There are two main. One is before professional treatment and the other is self-care. Using a mouth rinse prior to professional treatment reduces the numbers of intraoral microorganisms available in the aerosol. Okay, to reduce aerosol contamination during the use of a handpiece or ultrasonic cleaner. This is why it's so important that we ask our patients to rinse before we do this, right? Before we do our treatment. The second is self-care. As part of personal oral self-care for spe specific needs, such as biofilm control, dental caries prevention through remineralization of non-cavitated early dental caries, prevention of gingivitis, and contribute to mouth or odor control. Post-treatment therapy following non-surgical periodontal therapy uses periodontal, um, such as uh, periodontal surgery or removal of teeth is another, um, another self-care. Preventive and therapeutic agents in mouth rinses. Okay, so we're going to talk about several different um, preventive and therapeutic agents. Um, one is fluoride, the second is chlorhexidine, the third is triclosan, the fourth is phenol-related um, essential oils, and then there's quaternary ammonium compounds, oxygenating agents, and oxygenated agents, and oxidizing agents. Okay, so first let's talk about fluoride. Um, there's stannous fluoride and there's sodium fluoride, okay? And stannous fluoride uh, deposits a fluoride ion into the enamel. There's tin ion from stannous fluoride uh, interferes with cell metabolism um, for antimicrobial effect. Sodium fluoride ha deposits fluoride ion on the enamel, just like stannous fluoride, but it is karyostatic and inhibits demineralization and enhances remineralization, whereas you know, they have two different mechanisms of action, right? Um, the availability and use. Availability is varying in varying concentrations. The uses are to prevent demineralization, reduce dental hypersensitivity, and reduce gingivitis. Efficacy is the reduction in biofilm and dental caries when, rin uh, when rinse is used topically by the patient. Considerations. Stannis there is staining and it could be the flavor is not great and instruct the patient to expectorate and not to swallow. Chlorhexidine is another preventive or therapeutic agent in mouth rinses. It is cationic um, bisbiguide with broad antibacterial activity. It bonds to the hard oral and soft tissue. It attaches to the bacterial cell membrane, thereby damaging the cytoplasm using lysis. It bond, binds to the pellicle and salivary mute, mute, uh, 
mucins to prevent biofilm accumulation. It's bactericidal and bacteriostatic, depending on the concentration. Bactericidal concentration um, cause cell lysis. Bacteriostatic concentration interferes with the cell wall transport system. The substantivity of chlorhexidine is 8 to 12 hours. Okay, so it lasts a very long time. It's an antimicrobial and an anti-gingivitis agent. Okay, chlorhexidine is the only effective antimicrobial and anti-gingivitis agent available for clinical use. So that is the availability and the use. Um, recommended uses are pre-procedural rinse, before, during, and after periodontal debridement, patients who are in high risk for dental caries, immunocompromised individuals who are more susceptible to infection, and then post-surgery for enhanced wound healing. For the efficacy, chlorhexidine is safe and effective in preventing and controlling biofilm formation, reducing viability of existing um, biofilm, it inhibits and reduces the development of gingivitis, and it reduces uh, mutant streptococci. So chlorhexidine varnish, which is uh, a newer product out there, reduces dental caries in the following groups. However, evidence remains weak and more research is needed. So the chlorhexidine varnishes reduces it in children people with deristomia um, during orthodontic treatment and root caries. So one of the things that, um, that they say about, that I've read about chlorhexidine is the fact that um, it interrupts the fibroblast production during, um, after you do periodontal, periodontal um, non-surgical periodontal therapy. So there are, there are mixed readings on that. Um, considerations is that there is an increase of supergingival cal calculus formation. There is a low-level toxicity due to poor absorption through the mucous membranes. It can stain the teeth, including pits and fissures, um, and it can cause minor irritations. Some research suggests that chlorhexidine interacts with and it's and is inactive by uh, activated by sodium lauryl sulfate, the surfactant used in dentifrices. When rinsing with uh, when rinsing is performed immediately after brushing, however, a recent systemic review and meta analysis indicates that sodium lauryl sulfate does not interfere with the anti plaque effect of chlorhexidine. So maybe it's just you don't do it right after you brush your teeth. Triclosan is the third type of um, preventive and therapeutic agent in mouth rinses. The mechanism of action is a bisphenol and non-ionic antimicrobial agent. It is broad spectrum, effective against both gram-negative and gram-positive bacteria. It acts on the uh, microbial cytoplasmic membrane, causing leakage of the cell contents and um, bacteriolysis. Um, it's antimicrobial and anti-gingivitis agent, and it's low toxicity. Availability and use. Recommended uses of triclan, uh, triclosan mouth rinses and dentifrices are to reduce biofilm and gingivitis, reduce biofilm accumulation, and reduce supergingival calculus formation. Um, considerations is that combining PVMMA increases substantivity and effect, e efficacy. Excuse me. 
Now you have your fourth one is your phenol related essential oils. Okay, so this is we disrupt the cell wall and inhibit bacterial enzymes. That's the mechanism of action, as well as decreasing pathogenicity of biofilm, antimicrobial and antigingivitis agent. Um, and then finally, we have so your your phenolytic related uh, essential oils are your um, they use a combination of thymol, eucalyptol, um, meth, menthol, or methyl silicate, and these are um, your basically your Listerine type products. Um, they have a burning sensation, sometimes a bitter taste, sometimes poor substantivity, um, but that is that is essentially your Listerine. And then you have your quaternary ammonium compounds. The mechanism of action for these is they are cationic agents that bond to oral tissues. They rupture the cell wall and alter the cytoplasm. Initial attachment to oral tissue is very strong, but released rapidly. Decreases the ability of bacteria to attach to the pellicle, and it has a low substantivity. So that means it doesn't last very long. Availability and use. The most common agent is the CPC. Um, that's the one I can't say, but it's the one that's in like Scope and your um, and your Crest Pro Health rinses. Um, they reduce biofilm accumulation and adjunct for uh, mechanical self-care routines. All right, so your oxygenated agents, they alter the bacterial cell membrane by increasing permeability. They have poor substantivity. And then finally, you have your oxidizing agents. And these are just neutralization of your VSCs that, that contribute to your malodor. They are um, mainly just for management of VSCs. So these common agents include your chlorine dioxide or your chlorine dioxide and zinc combination. All right, so commercial mouth rinse ingredients. Your active ingredient for, um, for your commercial rinses generally contain more than one active ingredient and therefore may advertise multiple claims for use. So there's um, some of your typical mouth rinse formulations um, are your inactive ingredients. You have alcohol, um, which enhances the flavor impact. It increases the solubility of some active ingredients. It's a preservative. Percentage varies between 18 and 27%. Um, it enhances flavor. Now, one thing that you should know is that the use of an alcohol mouth rinse does not contribute to um, oral cancer, is not linked to oral cancer, like drinking regular alcohol is. Um, there are flavoring agents such as essential oils and derivatives like eucalyptus, eucalyptus oil or oil of wintergreen. There's aromatic waters, peppermint, spearmint, wintergreen, and others. And there's your artificial non-karyogenic sweeteners. All right. There's also a humectant, which adds body and inhibits crystallization. Um, there's a surfactant, which stabilizes the flavor um, and provides a little bit of a foaming action. There's water um, that makes up the largest percentage by volume. 
It's the major vehicle. There's a preservative. There's dyes, you know, added color. Um, sweeteners to add to the overall flavor perception. Um, flavor that makes it more pleasant. And then your active or functional ingredients, which are your therapeutics. Um, your, um, you want a, a, an effective ther chemotherapeutic agent to be non-toxic, um, have no or lim limited absorption, substantivity, excuse me, bacterial um, specificity, and then low in uh, low induced drug resistance. So, um, your procedure for rinsing. Many patients, particularly children, must be shown specifically how to rinse. The method can be practiced under supervision. You want to take a small amount of fluid in your mouth, close your lips, hold your teeth slightly apart, force the fluid through the inner dental teeth with pressure, and then use your lips and cheek and tongue to force the fluid back and forth through your teeth. Balloon your cheeks, then suck them in alternately several times. Divide the mouth in the three parts, front, middle, left. Concentrate on rinsing first in the front and then on the right and left. Then you want to expectorate and follow the directions for the amount and length of time before you frequent and before you rinse. Um, one of the emerging alternative practices is oil pulling. It is an ancient practice of swishing with 10 mLs or 1 teaspoon of sesame oil. Um, I've also heard coconut oil, but um, it it in it is to reduce biofilm and the reduction of bacteria causing caries, um, gingivitis, halitosis, and oral thrush. So the food, the United States Food and Drug Administration. The purpose of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration is to ensure the safety and efficacy of medical and dental drugs, equipment, and devices that affect living tissue. So. Um, a brief history is it's the older the oldest consumer protection agency in the US federal government. It began in nineteen oh six with the passage of the Pure Food and Drug Act. The purpose of the FDA is to regulate food, drug, equipment and I mean drugs, equipment, and devices. Some devices and equipment are exempt, such as dental water jets, power and manual toothbrushes, um, and dental floss. If they have existing or reasonably similar characteristics as previously approved devices, they're of the same type. Um, dental products regulation. So there is infection control products, dental equipment such as ultrasonic instrumentation, diagnostic test kits, prosthetic and restorative materials such as implants, surgical and periodontal materials such as guided tissue regeneration membrane uh, membranes, bone filled material and growth factors, prescription drugs, controlled and sustained release devices, and chemotherapeutics. In the case of denophoresis and mouth rinses, the FDA has reviewed active ingredients under over-the-counter monograms, which are regulations that specify the active ingredients and permissible levels of those ingredients, as well as statements the product labels must bear. Recent removal of antiseptic products with triclosan was, has raised questions about the use of over-the-counter antimicrobial antibacterial products because they are not testing to demonstrate benefit to human health. However, Colgate Total Toothpaste with triclosan underwent extensive testing to demonstrate effectiveness 
um, as an anti-gingivitis agent as well as a as safety and was approved by the FDA in 1997. So that was a I remember when that was happening. Um, the ADA um, seal of acceptance program uh, has promoted safety and effectiveness of dental products for over 100 years. The ADA seal of acceptance, which evaluates over-the-counter products offered to consumers, has been in place since 1930 and is internationally recognized. The program is voluntary and products are awarded the ADA seal only after the ADA Council on Scientific Affairs has thoroughly evaluated clinical and laboratory studies on a product and determine that it meets the ADA criteria for safety, effectiveness, and when used, when used directed. For many years, the SEAL program website has provided a list of all products that are ADA SEAL. Now there is a new SEAL program um, feature that provides detailed information about each of the accepted products to help um, consumers and dental professionals select over-the-counter oral care products. And the purpose of the SEAL program um, is designed to help the public and dental professionals make informed decisions on consumer dental products, study and evaluate products for safety and efficacy um, when used directed, inform the members of the dental team and the public about the safety and efficacy of each product that has been accepted. And then finally, it is to maintain a liaison with regulatory agencies and research and professional organizations. Um, and that is about it. So when you do, um, when you do recommend a um, therapeutic dentifrice or mouth rinse, you want to make sure you document it, right? Because if you didn't document it, it didn't happen. And so. Um, you want to explain why you you know um, patient is complaining of sensitivity on you know the lower left tooth. There's really nothing that you see that could be an issue. So maybe you start with your first line of action and you use you tell them to use um, a potassium nitrate toothpaste for the next two weeks and see if the if it subsides. If it doesn't, then you they come back and you try something else. But you at least give it like two weeks, two to four weeks to kind of get that going, make sure that it's working. So that um, pretty much sums up, I think, everything we are doing in the, preventi the preventive section uh, or the prevention section of implementation. Next time, we will be discussing the, um, the, let's see, we will be discussing dietary, diet and dietary analysis, as well as, um, as well as fluorides and how they work. So more, it is more on the prevention side. So we're, um, nutritional counseling, and then fluorides. Thank you for joining me with Mrs. Calhoun's Process of Care. I hope you learned something and see you soon.